Hello, and welcome to A Natural History of Rock and Roll, recorded live at Cinnabar's Coffee House. This event is a chance for us to record live some of the works featured in Cinnabar's annual magazine. This magazine is titled Natural History of Rock and Roll because it's an attempt for Cinnabar to study rock and roll as a cultural expression and an art form. Rock is, as cultural expression, complex. It was and still is an ongoing and continual defiance of convention, a conflagration of resistance to the many faces that composed the socio-political turmoil of the 20th century, be it cultural segregation, war, or social norms of gender and sexuality. As a magazine, we've attempted to study rock and roll as both art form and artifact, to consider what it informs us about our past and ourselves as artists and as people.
Our first section is titled Wild Horses. Inspired by artists of the 70s, like the Rolling Stones, this section explores rock as an expression of juventility, of vitality, and of all the exciting times of the era. A boy with hope envisioned a world where life is good. The boy steps into the world of man. He's horrified at what he's witnessed. His visions, his dreams, long gone, gone away. At that moment, he opened his eyes. Hi everyone, this is The Bones Mind. Before I begin, I'd like to give some context to help you understand the meaning behind this more. I think most of us are constantly consuming media, whether it be through social platforms, magazines, billboards, and a lot of the time, the media tends out to send message that can be harmful and promotes unattainable standards and aren't always the safest or healthiest and I wanted to capture that in this piece. I think my tipping point was when I was passing through Times Square with my family one day and I saw a huge billboard that had an image of an incredibly worryingly thin woman and the advertisement was insinuating that being thin equates happiness and you'll have friends and people will like you. And there tends to be harmful messages like this, and I think many of us know to just block out things like that, but I was imagining what a 12-year-old would think seeing that, or a 10-year-old, or even an 8-year-old, and I was thinking about how harmful messages like that, and so I wrote this to give a more accurate representation and show that sicknesses should not be glamorized. They say when you're a teenager, your biggest enemies are the mean girls whispering complex networks of lies, cycling back and forth through through bleak halls and perked ears. However, her biggest enemy came in the shape of a seven-foot-tall reflective surface. Through this mirror, she watched herself deteriorate over months. She watched as the creature looking back at her smiled as she realized she was taking up less space. She watched as the creature looking back at her was overjoyed by the way her once-fitted clothes were now loose. She watched as the creature looking back at her was satisfied by the way she's managed to hide this from her family. She watched as the creature looking back at her was nervous as she held a clump of her fallen hair in her hand. She watched as the creature looking back at her silently cried to herself as she felt like collapsing. She watched as the creature looking back at her felt enraged that no number looking back at her felt enough. Growling stomach, she needed more. Chilled bones, she needed more. Protruding collarbones, she needed more. Falling hair, she needed more. Persistent dizziness, she needed more. Nothing was enough, nothing was enough for her. Until she transformed into complete nothingness, she would never, she would forever resent herself. She couldn't please something that could never be fully pleased. She, gla she gazed into her reflection, taking it in every inch of herself. There was nothing she hated more than the broken reflection looking back at her. Her biggest enemy and worst critic has always been herself. She has to want it for herself, but the thing is, sometimes wanting just isn't enough. She always will be the bonely, sickly thing whose eyes were permanently glued to the ever-so-inviting looking glass. Women are rendered as weak and wretched, she says, like a tea kettle taken off the flame, one moment before it begins to sing, like a sharpened nail along a running stitch. Women are lured into thinking we are indebted. We says, to the mores of a proper dame, but how can a woman stand upright if all she's taught is to lower her pitch and no seed of physics poetry is ever planted? Soil desiccated, air cool, and sunbeams sun scant. Women are weak and wretched, they say, minds as final as the etchings on a poor blade. 
Press against soft hair or hooded veil. Each swing a tempest they, that sways a plotted course. Scrillage to disobey the norms, they said. And though your dream of soaring bravely will ensure the heights you could have reached will remain your greatest remorse. Ground your aspirations to be great. Only this life of in erudition awaits. Your arguments are weak and wretched, he said. In our days, I feel throughout time, outrage bursting forth from our lips like Mary Malala, mothers of resistance, Athena bursting from the skull of Zeus, that she will not be trapped as the confines of a man's mind. When worldwide we have felt every stab right to the guts as we elbow our way to the school gate, to the schoolhouse gate, pounding on the doorway, and one knock for every woman who has been told that she does not deserve the right reason. Our next section, inspired by the likes of David Bowie and other art rock and glam rock artists from the 70s, we're exploring the ideas of what camp is, um, particularly through the lens of Susan Sontag, who considers it to be an, a celebration of artifice and of aesthetics over morality, right, as she says here, irony over tragedy. Um, and so a big focus of this section was actually on visual and auditory art as opposed to writing, as sort of style becomes much more important to the content of visual and musical arts. Sad to go, but 
Our next section is titled Mirage. Inspired by the likes of Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, this section explores what it means to dream and what it means to bend reality through rock. Across from a girl is a flower, with petals of radiant color. She notices how lively it is in the delightfulness of the summer. She reminisces as the blossom somewhat reminds her of herself, a youthful child of rosy cheeks, with a luminescent smile that could last for weeks. She sits down by a lake and ponders as she stares at her image that is reflected in the rippling yet still waters. A mere figure the reflection is, something unliving that does not breathe. It is not powerful enough to undertake actions of physical means. However, it has the strength to taint one's mind as it devises untruthful thoughts which are supposed to be kept hidden inside. These ghosts escape from the mirrored silhouette, unleashing malignity that is more than a simple threat. It consumes the girl's soul, making her think without any sense of control. Meek and full of dismay, she tries to run away, but the malevolent spirits viciously cling on to her. The girl succumbs to this invisible yet present fire. She is scorched by these flames that induce mental debilitation and insufferable pain. The once blooming and radiant flower withers, dissipating into a dust of gray as it lingers in a glacial and bitter winter. Its once vivid incandescence is now stuck in a seemingly endless decay. Your melting flesh and your decaying brain were eaten and scavenged by grubs. It festered, oozed, and stunk. It fell into nothing and it became the earth. Your eyes became flowers and your brain became moss. I was a soul wandering through the fog for two souls dearest to me departed. I laid on the crevices of a log, wondering if the cracks could be repaired. A time was waning, soon to be lost, in a past which shall never come again. At that moment, I learned of life's tragic cost. It is deadly, a vile thing to befriend. But then, there in the distance, a sun rose, like the passionate roar of a lion. A willow tree closest to my heart blows, as the wind guides ones to my direction. I was a soul lost in the dark of night, but winds took me to an undying light. I stared out the beautiful large casement window, looking at everything in sight carefully, witnessing the world go on and flash before my eyes, longing to be outside and absorb myself in all it has to offer, to feel the crispy breeze blow its cool wind onto my skin, to smell the earthly natural scents that bloom in the air, to feel the sun and its warmth shine on me and glisten my body, to bring my nose up to the delicate flowers and inhale its otherworldly fragrance. One day I will go outside, I tell myself. One day I will experience these things I long desire. One day I will break free and see the world. One day as I sighed, gazing full of dreams. I heard the front door slam and I felt darkness enter my peaceful atmosphere. I quickly left my spot at the window and threw myself onto the bed and closed my eyes. I kept them closed for what felt like hours but was only minutes. Once the noises from below ceased, I slowly opened my eyes. From my position on the bed, I looked out the window, suddenly feeling envious of it and its beautiful glory. My hopes faded as the bedroom door opened and closed loudly with a deafening sound. There will be no freedom for me today. Guess mine is not the first
Our final section, titled Bleach, explores adolescence and grief through the lens of the grunge movement of the 1990s. So I'm just going to preface this poem. It's kind of about the effect that winter has on you as an individual, because for me, winter always kind of affects my emotions, kind of makes me feel more down than in the summertime. So that's really what I'm reflecting upon in this poem. A lark's cry echoes as my eyes start to dry. How wonderful. My sorrow is passed on to an innocuous creature who does not need to suffer the agony I did previously. A weeping willow's branches dangle low, limp as I begin to silence the recrudescent bellow that I let out months ago. How wonderful. My despondency is transferred to an already melancholic being it does not need to cry nor ache any more than it already did before. There are no more gossamer skies that paint an enthralling picture above me. They are replaced by menacing gray clouds that veil the effulgent blues, oranges, and pinks that once invigorated life in the now pendulous willow tree. Blizzards awaken and piercing chills charge down my spine. The sunlit world is left forsaken inducing me to wait for the stars to once again align. My laments were exuded deleteriously, almost as if they were a plague, ravaging the joys nature once brought to me, freezing the once glistening waters of the rippling lake. Now I am drowning underneath the frigid ice. My tears turn into frostbite. Goodbye to the songbirds that once gracefully sang. 
Hello to the raven streak and its execrable harangue. Goodbye to the colorful flowers that once scintillated a brilliant radiance. Hello to the tempestuous showers and the acid rain they leak. Oh, how winter's encroachment hinders spring's approachment. A person goes to the store looking to find new pieces of Tupperware to fill the shelves of their new home. Coming upon the faded aisle, eyeing each set carefully, each one near a state of youthfulness or disregard, they pick from a set of maybe two dozen containers. The smooth orange locks that caress the sides appear bright, decadent in the lamplight of this truly super market. Eager to make use of their newly procured item, they set it on the counter as they make a delicious meal for later. As the warmth floods the container, you would think it could melt from all the heat. But as plastic does, it endures. The food is eaten, the Tupperware is tucked away, and the person needs to go back to the store. surprise this year when we began falling in love with rock and alternative metal. Introduced to us by Aerosmith and Sim, rock and metal have ingenious ways of passionately communicating revolutionary themes. Styles of metal in particular are quite heavy, sped up, drawn out, with the intent of conveying concepts of rage, horror, and rebellion in musical form. The genres typically include speedy drumming work, rapidly alternating notes, and even guttural vocals that sound like someone's trying to imitate a monster. Fortunately, the media's uh, existential perspectives of birth, death, and everything in between are not limited to music nor the modern era. This year's Cinebars de is, has dedicated to, to amalgamate uh, the magazine with rock and roll and the impacts of music. Just like the bands that, we have, catalyzed, that have catalyzed artistic perspectives throughout history, our own family of writers and artists are equally guilty of partaking in mystified, frenzied performances in which passion and ingenuity and genuinity are integral. We have collectively discovered that the most powerful voices are born from creative, divergent thinking, 
elusive wonderlands, raving inside our noggins, where the sparks in our, in our chests explode like waves of bass drums. Where that thunder grows and directly in proportion to the number of sketch pads we fill and the blood boiling beneath our skin grows hotter with the every message we deliver to paper. Such equations are too abstract to compute and we try to articulate them is to grossly oversimplify them. With this magazine you hold in your hands, we invite you to join us in this celebration of our timeless and enduring love for music. Treat each page as a window to the human psyche and each display of art as an arrangement or a comment on what you on what you think you already know. We take pride in, this, in the compositions that make us question, is this the real life or is this just fantasy?